0: Hello faithful listeners, this is Pastor John Clowater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Thanks for being here, thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead.
1: A reading from Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up and go to Nivea, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nivea, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nivea was an exceedingly large city, a three days' walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more and Nivea shall be overthrown, and the people of Nivea believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The word of the Lord. Gospel reading from the first chapter of Mark Glory Lord, Mark one fourteen through twenty. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee and proclaimed the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James and son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat, and with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Maybe seated. Grace and peace to you, my friends in Christ. Legend- uh, legendary UCLA men's basketball coach John Wooden won 10 national championships in 12 years. That's pretty good. Uh, He was famous for having these inspirational messages for his players. They were usually short, easy to remember, and they'd be messages that would apply to that task at hand, of course, playing a basketball game, but in looking back, they were actually life lessons that his future players could apply to the real world for the rest of their lives. One of those players, Andy Hill, shared a few of those nuggets in a book that he wrote about the coach. And one of the quotes was, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So simple, yet it makes so much sense. And then there was this nugget. The team that makes the most mistakes wins. Wait, really? He must be talking about the Vikings. Um, uh, Ouch. Um, Anyway. Doesn't that seem counter to, like, the goal of the game? Like, the goal of the game is not to make the most mistakes. How do you win the game if you make the most mistakes? What Wooden was teaching his players is that if you are mistake-free, you're probably sitting around doing nothing. You got to take a chance. You got to know that you might fail in order to accomplish anything. Mistakes are actually an essential part of getting better. Practice, preparation, these are the keys to improving. It's a willingness to try. It's an ability to listen to coaching and to be able to make adjustments. My grandpa John gave me that book. My grandpa John who lived in LA, so he was a huge uh, UCLA fan, a huge fan of wooden. And he gave this to me when I was in college. And so he knew I loved sports and that I would probably pick it up just to read it because of the sports angle. But he knew that it was also a book that was gonna give me life lessons. It was gonna give me tools to be a better leader by learning from a leader who was able to apply these principles throughout his life as a coach and someone who walked alongside others. You see, the details matter. You see, John Wooden, he found success through victories on the court, but you could argue his biggest accomplishment was the quality of character that he instilled in the players and the, the people that he came across as they would eventually step off the court and do other things with their lives. He talked a little A little bit about this guy last week, Adam Grant. And so uh, Adam Grant would call that type of behavior having confident humility. And so he said, when adults have the confidence to acknowledge what they don't know, they end up paying more attention to how strong evidence is, and they spend more time reading material that contradicts their opinion. Yeah, think about that. Like, we learn more by learning about the things that we've already thought we disregarded. The most effective leaders are confident and humble. They have faith in their strengths, but are keenly aware of their weaknesses. We've been reading his book with a book club here at Faith Lutheran. and So we got together on Friday, and as part of this chapter in the book, I asked the group these two questions. Have you ever worked with anybody or for a leader who had confident humility? And what was it like to be on that team? Not surprisingly, the answers that came forth were very positive. I've worked for a leader who had confident humility, and it actually was in the church, but it was long before I became a pastor. It was while I was a member of a church over in Edina. I was in my mid-twenties, and I was drawn to the leadership style of Pastor Dan, and he was someone who, uh, was someone who made you feel comfortable because of his confident humility. I got to serve on the church council, and so with him and the other leaders in the church, his approach was really warm and invitational. He welcomed people into the group. But also as difficult conversations needed to happen, especially around conflict or financial decisions or the future direction of the church, he always allowed room for those ideas to be shared openly, for us to be able to say, well, what is really going on here? And let's talk through things. And then we'd present different courses of actions that we might want to take. So we talked about where we'd seen mistakes happen in the past, and we might want to try things differently because of that but we also listened to the opinions of others who had seen where other ideas in different realms and other different parts of our lives had had worked before, and maybe we should give that a try in this place. It was a great environment for me to be able to learn and for me to understand how effective leadership could work, especially in a church setting, as that eventually would become a calling in my own life, and it guided the direction of that group, and I was able to see how confident humility was a way for us to move forward. Now, some decisions took months and months of continuing to to look at and revisit and kind of tweak. But some decisions had to happen quickly. They would be decisions that we'd have to make knowing that we just had to trust that we were making the right decision in the moment and that it was what the, the church needed to be able to do. I think about in Mark's gospel today, this little brief window that we get into Jesus calling his disciples, that there is a deep level of trust that Jesus has established from day one with these disciples. You know, in just these few verses, he calls four different disciples to join him, these fishermen. And immediately, Simon and Andrew left their nets and followed him. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they're mending their nets. And immediately, he calls them and they leave their father in the boat with the hired servants. Immediately, they follow him. What's the rush? What's the hurry? I mean, especially when you compare it to the response of someone like Jonah. You know, Jonah was called by God and immediately he was like, nope, thanks God, I'm going the other direction. I don't want anything to do with what you're calling me to do. So what is it about Jesus that these four men could feel so completely connected that they believed in him and that they were willing to put everything aside to go and follow him? I can assume that Jesus must have had a presence of confident humility in front of them. You know, when you're around someone who has confident humility, there's a level of trust and there's an ease when we are in their presence. So even when things are tough, they don't necessarily get flustered. They just put the mission first and they confidently say, let's let's figure this out together. Someone with confident humility doesn't make you feel like an idiot if you ask questions or if you don't quite get it right away. They bring you along. You know, someone with confident humility is someone that we respect. And that's why I think Jesus is able to get these disciples to trust him and to join him so quickly. Because how does Jesus do that? Well, he prepares his disciples. He teaches them separately. He pulls them aside to give them lessons. But then they also learn when he's gathered in front of a large crowd, like on a mountain, for example, or when he's questioned by the authorities in the synagogue, people who are opposed to his method. The disciples are sitting there learning from each of these teachable moments. Then Jesus sends them out in pairs. He says, go, try this out. Trust me, you might fail. You might be rejected, but go out and try it. Move on and try again if your message isn't received. Then let's come back, regroup, ask more questions, humble yourselves, and then go out and do it again. People of God, are we willing to do this? Can we admit when we have not been successful or maybe we've missed the mark? I talked about Andy Hill he wrote this book with, uh, with Coach Wooden and it was called, Be Quick, But Don't Hurry. Another one of those fun paradoxes like, well, that doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? But Wooden said, be quick, but don't hurry because if you wait until you're 100% sure that it's the right decision, you're already too late. And you gotta be remained uh, balanced in your decision-making. You see, Andy Hill was not one of the stars He was not one of the best players at UCLA. In fact, when he left UCLA, he was a bit jaded at Coach Wooden. He didn't really like Wooden. He didn't like how Wooden treated the starters differently than the bench players. He won three national championships in college, but he didn't play much. He didn't end up going to the NBA, but he did end up becoming a very successful executive at CBS. He was the president of CBS Productions. He was responsible for Touched by an Angel or uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. So like he's done some pretty important things with his life. And one day it hit him. He'd missed the mark. He didn't realize that his anger towards Wooden was misguided because it dawned on him that everything he knew about getting the best out of people was because of things that were taught to him by Coach Wooden on the gym floor, in those practices, while a backup, frustrated at his lack of playing time. And in that moment, he realized he needed to reach out to Wooden. And Wooden was gracious and friendly and they reformed a friendship. And the idea of a book came together and Andy Hill said, I wanna be able to share this with the world. I wanna share about your confident humility. I think about the culture of this congregation as as I look around and I think about the congregation of Faith Lutheran having a lot of confident humility. You might think to yourself, can a people have confident humility? Absolutely. Faith Lutheran, we have been leaders to recognize ways to use the gifts that God has given us. And we've done this with a confident humility that says we might not have all the answers, but we are willing to ask a lot of questions. We are willing to say, look, we see needs in this world, and we're going to try our best to make sure we help provide solutions. And we're going to do this in ways that are going to be able to bring people together and bring hope to this world. I think about the way that we've done this with homelessness, how we've talked about providing a shelter and being able to support families and individuals for years. And now the solutions weren't exactly what we thought they would be we were thinking that there might be a family shelter here in Forest Lake or tiny houses right here on our property. But because of the work that has happened here and the way that we've been able to discern what God has been up to, the positive outcomes could not have happened without the leadership of members of this church advocating for the needs of others. You helped make the Hugo family shelter a reality. You helped make that a sustainable place for families to be able to go to, to be able to get the help that they need, to be able to have some stability. You helped make Mosaic Christian community a sacred settlement in St. Paul. You helped make Prince of Peace, Roseville, have a sacred settlement possible. Faith Lutheran, you've seen the needs of refugees, somebody new to the community, and you've welcomed them, you've befriended them, even when the process hasn't gone smoothly. Faith Lutheran, when it comes to the needs of others through illness or death or loneliness or friendship, you continue to be there for each other. You've expressed confident humility in each other to say, look, we trust that we're gonna be there for one another. You lift each other up and you love like Jesus taught you to love. You're humble in your ability to discern what is next. But most importantly, faith, We have a confidence. We have a confidence because we know that Jesus has got this. So when Jesus says, follow me, we trust that we aren't facing our next challenge alone. We know that Jesus prepares us. Jesus teaches us. Jesus encourages us and says, follow me. And so we do. And we do so with confident humility. Amen.